0: Better Call Saul, episode three is over, but we're just getting started here on Better Call Saul, live on PostShowRecaps.com. And now, here are the two guys who may talk to you in sex robot voice. I'm Rob Cisternino, and here's Antonio Pizarro.
1: Oh, I feel like I have to reach for a spoof here. I don't know. I didn't realize I was going to have to uh, get one of those. I'm going to be like a cat. I felt like he was like a cat, just kind of unspoiled. If you have ever seen a cat with toilet paper? Yeah, That's cool. what I look like.
0: Yes, that's what he was doing. And uh, Antonio, very excited uh, to be with you here on a uh, late on a Monday night. Better call Saul. Uh, a little bit of a late night because we got into a live Celebrity Apprentice finale uh, discussion over on Rob's website. No
1: spoilers. No
0: spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers here. No spoilers <laughs> here. But that's it. That's the last time we're going to mention the Apprentice because it's time to talk Better Call Saul tonight. Uh, Nacho, Nacho is Nacho
1: Man, Rob yes he's nacho man he didn't do
0: it he's an innocent man nacho and uh we'll talk about everything that went on tonight uh with the kettlemans and uh their faked uh fake their own death or fake their own kidnapping uh they went on a camping trip we find out that they're guilty uh we see a little bit into jimmy's backstory and of course uh we get really the start of the story between uh jimmy and mike
1: yeah, and it, it, it only was three episodes in the making, but just such glorious stuff. So yeah. I'm excited to talk about it for sure. Okay, how are you doing tonight, Antonio? Not too bad. I love the the Big Lebowski, the Kidnapped Herself. I love the tie-ins. I'm a big fan of the Big Lebowski. I like anything that connects there. And uh, I'm happy. Better late than never call Saul.
0: Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um. All right, so... Uh let's just uh set this up here at the top of the show. We have got a uh a, a pretty good uh size crowd here for a late night here on a Monday night. It's already uh past twelve thirty on the East Coast. So thanks everybody who hung in there tonight. Uh we've got the chat room going on postshowrecaps.com. Uh we also have our Twitter open with the hashtag PSRecaps. We'll take your questions later on in this show and also on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com/slash YouTube. Next week we'll be back in our regular time slot. Ten 15, uh, I'm sorry, 11, 15 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Monday night. So uh, next Monday night, we will be uh,
1: ready to go. I'm ready for all of that and, uh, and happy for the people that are joining us tonight in the chat room.
0: Yes. Also, thanks to everybody who subscribed to our Better Call Saul iTunes feed. Uh, we were ha- uh, up around uh, top 10 new uh, podcasts in the TV and film category on iTunes. How about that?
1: Oh, man, I love the bell for that one. I feel like that, uh, that's thanks to everybody who subscribes. So that bell's for you.
0: Yeah. And uh, if, thanks if you're subscribed. If you're not, you could subscribe. Go to uh, postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes. That's uh, postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes. Or click uh, the podcast tab to subscribe to all of postshowrecaps. All right, Antonio. Uh, let's talk big picture. Uh, your thoughts on episode three of Better Call Saul.
1: So I like it because the first episode, right, we had we had to kind of have a story that really brought us and hooked us into the second episode because, you know, the most eyes are going to be on the show with that first episode. And then when you got the second episode, we kind of paid off some of that and we kind of wondered, what's the show going to be? Where are we going to go with this? I really do like that the Kettleman's who were introduced early on in the series are playing an ongoing role in the show, uh, because I think if we if we ever rewatched it or if we went back and looked at the series as a whole, It's not just standalone episodes. Things that happen early on in the series are paying off as we go along. And that's a lot more like Breaking Bad than a lot of your other one-hour cable dramas. So I'm very happy to see that that's kind of an ongoing thing with the show. And I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, I really am interested to see how this is all going to play out. And definitely there was uh, some tense moments. There was action sequences, stuff that I wasn't exactly sure we were going to get too much on Better Call Saul.
1: Yeah, just uh, Bob Odenkirk, not known as an action hero. Yeah, well, but, a lot of action sequences. Yeah, and, and good. There, You've got M- Michelle McLaren directing the sep- second episode. We've just got great directors from the Breaking Bad of Wally, just people that come around. Terry McDonough directed this one. So it's, uh, it isn't a show that necessarily invites it, but I, I like that they're finding ways to find it. They know who their audience is, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Antonio, the Kellerman's plan, like, there's no way that could work, right? (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, and not for anything. I mean, Saul was like, uh, you know, trekking through the desert for like an hour or two, and he was just like totally exasperated. How how long are the Kellermans staying out there?
1: It's a good question, right? Like, till the heat, I don't think they expected that the neighbor would put eyes on. Uh, on nacho sitting out there and that a full-blown police investigation would start i think that was more to kind of disappear from the house for a little while and lay low i don't think they expected the police to be involved so they're they're in some really hot water here this is this is a terrible plan and to go up into the woods with all that money and no gun saul's really lucky or jimmy's really lucky he didn't get shot in this episode
0: forget no gun do they have any water i mean do they have any food i mean how long do they survive up there
1: I don't know. That that Mr. Kellerman, he Craig or Greg or whatever his name is, he looks like a pretty tough guy. He's probably killing animals with his bare hands up there.
0: It's like the walking dead up there. Um I mean unless you think that they have sort of like just like a war chest of that's where the money was hidden, that's where the you know they sort of have like uh the barrels that they dug up filled with water and food.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good question or maybe they set some traps or you know, maybe they're survivalists. Uh, I don't know. They look like they're living in a pretty nice house. So I'm not sure that this was a very well-formed plan. I mean, these are the same people who definitely embezzled money and then bought a boat with it, apparently. So these are not exactly master criminals. a freaking amateur hour up here. There's
0: a lot of amateur hour, and it really comes down to Jimmy who apparently has a conscience ends up sort of like making this whole mess. Uh, but when he tries to warn them about what was going on with Nacho, did it surprise you to see Jimmy be the one to tell them uh, to uh, be on the lookout?
1: It is interesting that uh, Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill, Jimmy actually having a conscience, conscience is what's causing the problems. Um, if he didn't have that conscience, maybe we wouldn't have the problems we have. Although, then again, maybe the entire family would have been murdered by Nacho. We don't really know uh, if that if they would have been worse off without Jimmy calling them. But yeah, his conscience is uh, is really interesting. It's not something we know from the Saul Goodman character from Breaking Bad. I know there's a few of you out here gave us feedback on our podcast that never watched Breaking Bad somehow. Go to Netflix as soon as this podcast is over and start watching. But, what are you waiting for? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's time to break bad. But... If you didn't watch it, Saul Goodman, the lawyer that Jimmy becomes, never had a conscience. So it's very interesting to see this conscience in Jimmy McGill. And I think we saw at the beginning of this episode some of it might be tied to a kind of a one eighty that he does from from slipping Jimmy, maybe making a promise with his brother. We saw referenced in an earlier episode. He's sticking pretty true to that. So. It is interesting to see what what uh, becomes as a result of that conscience.
0: Yeah, and I do want to talk more about the flashback, but just to uh, talk this through, Antonio, uh, as a lawyer, um, what is Saul guilty of at this point uh, with this case?
1: It's a good question. So first and foremost, the whole setup attempt, the, the ambulance chasing setup where he's trying to create the ambulance uh, is, is certainly grounds for a lot fraud. Uh, There's probably some attorney misconduct going on here. Talking to someone else's represented client is usually not something as an attorney that is uh, something you can get away with. Um, Also, when you're an attorney, there's attorney-client confidentiality that Saul kind of glosses over when he's talking to Kim about knowing that his client intended to commit this crime. But when an imminent crime is reported to you, that confidentiality and that privilege sort of goes out the window and you're obligated to report it. So he's already kind of playing a little fast and loose with the rules of the profession and with the law. So he's guilty of a, a lot right now. Uh, but he's also kind of seemingly doing the right thing on, on some level. Uh, he, he didn't want to tell the cops about Nacho, but he also didn't want to set Nacho free on the, on, on the, the, the Ketterman. So he's not doing everything wrong, but he's definitely skirting some rules.
0: So what he should have done, if this is following protocol, at the point that Nacho says he wants to tell them what's going on, or or Nacho wants to go after uh, the uh, is it Kettleman? I want to make sure I'm pronouncing the name right. Yeah, I think the Kettlemans. Yeah, Kettleman. Um, team Kettle, the Kettle team. Team Team Kettleman. Um, at the point that Nacho says he wants to go after them, then he needs to go to the police with that, not go directly to the Kettlemans.
1: A lawyer would probably say, well, if you had any reason to believe that a, that a crime was imminent, that, that law was about to be broken, like if your client tells you, I'm going to go murder that guy tomorrow at three o'clock, you're, you're supposed to report that. I mean, you have to report that. But if he says, I would like to do that some at some point, well, that's not the same thing. So Saul's really right on the line with that one. When, when Nacho says, I want to do it, you call me when you're ready, that's different than... Hey, I'm going to go do this with or without you, and I'm going to do it right now, which is what it ended up with. So, I don't know, sitting out in front of their house, casing the joint, not technically a crime. Uh, and certainly, Saul is, maybe it's a little light-stalking, but I think that uh, Saul's right on the line with this. He probably should have gone to the police uh, or reported it, or, he, or he, and he tried to tell Kim. Like He tried to do the right thing, but uh, he just was not able to follow through on it.
0: Yeah, He really sort of screws this all up with the whole thing with Kim about how the family is going to be in danger. And then he's like why would you say that? And sort of then at the point where the family disappears then Kim certainly knows that there's something uh, fishy going on. Um, Is there a danger for Saul that Kim is going to uh, go to the partners at the law firm and say how Saul's involved with this?
1: Yeah, I think so. And that could come boomerang back on on Chuck and Saul could let Chuck down. So there's a lot of moving parts there for certain for Saul and or for Jimmy. And I think with all that in mind, Jimmy's kind of half hearted plan is I'll just let it slip to Kim that she should probably warn them when that doesn't go well. Well, I'll make a, I'll make the robot sex voice from a payphone and try to warn them, but not on their answering machine. And when that doesn't necessarily go well, uh, he tries to figure other things out, but, Ultimately, I think he was trying to do what he considered to be the right thing. But yeah, there's a lot of danger involved in in different methods that he could have undertaken. So, you know, the the other aspect of this is, look, if he rats Nacho out, he's in danger. His life is in danger right away. And he's coming right off of that and seeing the legs get broken as a, you know, six months probation kind of sentence. So I think that there's a little bit of fear of the Nacho in him. And I understand that for sure.
0: Now, Saul's plan was to go up, find the Kettleman's, bring them back down, and then uh, that was going to be the end of that. But now, the fact that the duffel bag gets ripped open and all of this cash comes out, now this complicates things. So, just how complicated did this make it now?
1: Well, it's okay if you're an attorney and you know your client's guilty because your duty as a lawyer is to give them a good defense. And and that's a, the sort of sacred role that you play as a defense attorney is that the system doesn't work if you don't do right by your clients. And so you're allowed to know that they're guilty. A lot of a lot, a lot of lawyers don't like knowing that because they feel like it might compromise how vigorously they'll defend their client. But it's okay to know your client's guilty. So that's not a big deal. But again, these aren't his clients. and. Who knows exactly what lengths they'll be willing to go to to keep him quiet? I, will they give him some of the money? Will they threaten him? Uh, this is the thing. This is the Breaking Bad universe that we live in. This is the Vince Gilligan universe. And we talked about this earlier on some of our podcasts. We see a little bit of Walter White and Skyler maybe in in this couple in, in that the early Walter White and Skyler, And then a normal, quiet, milquetoast kind of man uh, and wife can actually, behind that persona, lie a monster uh and and lady Macbeth. so keeping that in mind uh it is entirely possible that there's a lot of darkness in these Kettlemans. but we haven't seen that yet it's just what we know about from the universe they're very similar to walter and skylar from breaking bad and when we see that kind of play out with walter and skylar uh then we know that it could play out with them so Saul could be in some some serious trouble here but like i said they didn't have a gun on them so they don't seem like violent criminals
0: yeah, why didn't the Kettleman's go and take that money and start a car wash?
1: Yeah, or, or maybe a nail salon or perhaps a laser tag place. Uh, there's a lot of things that they could have done. There, there, it's a. I don't exactly know what, what, uh, what's going on with this particular crime. I mean, it seems like such a stupid crime, and it's in cash, no less. So it's like, what are you doing? You're the one person, as, he, as Saul points out earlier in the first episode, like, this is your job. You're the one person who they're going to suspect when something goes amiss. And so the fact that they're sitting on this money is ridiculous. Like you are the one person they would suspect it's sitting there in cash. Like, why aren't you doing something different about this? And you know what? Maybe they're not getting good uh, legal representation from Mr. Hamlin. Maybe this is where old Jimmy McGill can come in and and give them a sort of uh, a criminal, criminal lawyer. Like maybe he's willing to, do some things Hamlin's not. Uh, So it'll be, it'll be something to monitor as we go forward. What, what role is Jimmy going to play with the Is he going to steal the clients? Like this is what he wanted to do from the start. That's probably what he's going to want rather than money or anything else. Just let me represent you. We'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah. It really feels like in keeping with breaking bad, every new thing that happens only like gets you more stuck in the quicksand. So where does this go from here? You know, how does finding out that they have the money end up putting uh, Saul slash Jimmy into a worse predicament?
1: Well, it's a it's a situation where he can really instantly make an enemy of Hamlin if he does poach the client away somehow. Uh, And that can make things worse for his brother. Uh, And we don't exactly know what's going on with Chuck. We still don't know whether this is an allergy to electricity I think that's been kind of hinted about in the in the universe of the uh, of the show uh, with some of the show's creators and things. We don't we don't really have a full confirmation of exactly what might be going on, but we know that Chuck is not in a good way. And so any pressure that comes from the firm, they stop playing nice and sending him a stipend. That's real bad for Jimmy. So that that's a direct consequence if he does steal the client. Uh, the the police are also going to have an awful lot of questions about what happened with the Kellermans. I mean, the Kettlemans. If, if if they stage their own kidnapping, uh, that's a crime that they've committed uh, in, in terms of falsifying that and, and, and creating a panic and all sorts of things. I don't know the exact New Mexico code, but there's a lot of crimes that can come from that. So Saul can quickly get wrapped up in that. There's just a lot of bad. And, and I think it's great when he calls Kim on the phone when he sees the tents. He, a scent. He's like, I found your idiot clients. I mean, that's exactly what they are. They're just idiots. And so anytime you roll around with idiots like that, you're bound to get a little dirty.
0: Well, I think for Jimmy, the biggest threat probably still lies with Nacho because, I mean, even if he was to take on the Kettleman's as a client, now, uh, you know, Nacho is going to probably be released as being somebody who's not guilty. And now it's also going to be that he's going to still want that money. And so... Um, he's gonna want Saul to work with him on getting him that money, and if he's representing them, then he, that's a bit of a conflict of interest, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And and he sort of had this conflict of interest already, and he tried to warn them about what might be happening with Nacho, but it's going to really come to bear with Nacho saying to him like, "Look, look, buddy, like uh, you put me in a really bad spot here," and. They ran, if it, if it becomes news that they fake their kidnapping, that gets out there. If they're, if they're back on the street, first Nacho in this episode thought that Saul dined the opportunity out to another crew. Yeah. He was red hot about that, right? So if he thinks that- And rightfully he, so. And rightfully so. I mean, there's no honor among thieves, but still. If he, uh, if he thinks that Jimmy is, is kind of going behind his back and working with these people against Nacho, that's sort of the same result. Uh, in that he's still going to see that as a direct assault on him. So you're right. Jimmy does have a big problem with Nacho. But I feel like Jimmy and Nacho have a decent rapport. I mean, he did threaten to kill Jimmy this episode. But I I also have to point out that if Jimmy gets him out of the trouble, well, then Jimmy met his end of the bargain. So I got to say that maybe Jimmy can work with Nacho here. Maybe uh, Maybe he can give him the same kind of speech that he gave to those brothers about how I'm the best lawyer you've ever had. Like, this was actually pretty good work by Jimmy here.
0: Yeah, Antonio, could you fill in some of the blanks for me? How did Nacho end up in the police custody?
1: So what it sounded like is he was keeping a routine in trying to keep track of the routine of the Kettleman. So he was sitting outside their house, kind of logging when they were coming and going, finding out. He was casing the joint. He was finding out when a good time to, to kind of go in and, and rob them would have been. Uh, and in keeping a regular schedule doing that, one of the neighbors clocked him and saw him being suspicious there. Uh, his plate was run and he was kind of his background was investigated when they uh, kind of went to investigate the Kettleman's and saw the front door open and the police were involved. Uh, the neighbor had already written the plate down. So he was literally the first person they went to uh, because he was already on the radar of some watchful eyes in the neighborhood because he'd been out there. And so that's really just kind of a, another dumb criminal move. He, he left the blood in his van from the previous crime. He'd done all sorts of really stupid things. Where's to the club the- soda? Yeah. Where's the club? Where's Abuelita coming and telling him like it's going to stay Nacho. So, yeah, he he put himself in a position where he gave the the police all kinds of probable cause to think he was the one that committed the crime. I mean, nothing that that happened there was as a result of anything Jimmy did. So he, he did some really stupid things.
0: Yeah. And as far as then when Jimmy gets picked up by the police, how do the police know where to pick up Jimmy? I know he's calling up. Are they just listening to Nacho's voicemails?
1: Yeah, I think they must have been. And then they must have heard the voicemail with the number on it, known where that payphone with that number was, and then come to sit on Jimmy. It wasn't exactly clear how much time had passed in the moments that Jimmy was waiting there, but certainly some time had. So. That I mean, that was my read. Did you did you get a different read on that? I figured they had to have run the number uh, and figured out where Jimmy was.
0: Yeah, I mean that makes the most sense. Um, but why would they arrest him for being the lawyer?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that they necessarily knew who he was at, at the jump. I think that they thought he might have been an accomplice or someone that was involved in the in the actual crime that they suspected Nacho of. Uh, because Jimmy was leaving these rather vague voicemails, right? He was saying things like, you've got a problem and I, and I want to help you like, uh, Oh, I didn't mean to imply that I said anything or any, he just left some sort of very suspicious voicemails that once you realize that he's a lawyer and he's probably Nacho's lawyer, they're less suspicious. But in the moment, I don't think he ever said like, this is your lawyer. Cause he wasn't Nacho's lawyer. He was a guy that Nacho wanted to commit a crime with. So he was a potential accomplice, not actually a lawyer. So it wasn't until they realized that he was a lawyer. I think that that ultimately played out the way it did. I think in the moment they thought he might they could have, he could have been anybody that was involved in the crime.
0: Yeah. So once he speaks with Nacho, and then Nacho accuses him of trying to steal the uh, heist from from Nacho and handing it off to somebody else, then uh, he ends up trying to investigate this crime himself uh what did you think of the crime investigator jimmy this week
1: not bad i i thought i, I got trapped by the show because i when he's walking around the house and he notices the doll was missing and he's he immediately develops a theory like a like a good kind of investigator would
0: like Columbo. Thought,
1: yeah he's like just just one more thing right just one more thing yeah. where's the doll so I like that. I like though the one-eyed Jimmy there. But uh, what I didn't like so much, or what I liked even more, I should say, is that the police had already thought about that. Like, yeah. so I, I like that Jimmy's not a superhero; that he's just saying things and seeing things the cops already did. That said, uh, he did he did go one step further with that sticker on the car. So good for him.
0: Yeah, he did figure it out. I mean, you would think that the police would do sort of a sweep, right? Of you know where could these people be? Just even to like look for their bodies. Um it seems like the police work and again police work was never really the strength of the uh Albuquerque Police Department uh in the ser- in the run of Breaking Bad but that being said you would think that like they they didn't fan out a little bit
1: yeah or and, and I don't know exactly how far we you know Saul seemed to walk around or Jimmy seemed to walk around for a pretty long time in the desert out there so how long he walked? Was it a few miles? I, I don't know. Maybe that was kind of the expanded search or it was in the plans. But yeah, they it didn't seem like the cops had done a ton of work on this.
0: Yeah. And uh, it, it, how long do you think it took it for Saul to find uh, where the family was?
1: It seemed like it took several hours because the the, the lighting certainly changed. The sun went down. And uh, and so that all played out that way. And so I think it, it probably seemed, seemed to take several hours. We saw him take the coat off. The shoes were coming off. He was kind of getting a little tired, worn out. Uh, it, it did seem to take a while. So they uh, he, he found them. I mean, good for him. But it, it didn't. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't like they were camped right outside their their property there.
0: All right. Let's talk about Saul and Mike a little bit, because well, that was a
1: lot of fun. Yeah, let's do it. I, I do you have a uh, do you have a diaper back there? You're going to throw at me, Rob? No, I do not.
0: Um and I've got plenty over here, but I will, I will not throw it at
1: you, Antonio. <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I don't care how many stickers you have or if you push the button and you owe me $4 or whatever. Um, I Thanks. will not and, do that.
1: And I won't come you to death.
0: Thank you. So um, what do you think of Saul pushing the button to make the gate go up?
1: Well, knowing what we know about Mike from Breaking Bad, that's a significantly ballsy move, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think Saul knows that. He sees this guy as like a tin pot tyrant, like a little bureaucrat just sitting there. He calls him a troll. Got to pay the troll toll. Like, let's go go back under your bridge. And he doesn't have a lot of respect for Mike. And he's not one of the little people that that Jimmy treats very well. So the fact that he did that doesn't surprise me. But I love it because you and I know and everybody watching who's seen Breaking Bad knows this is not a man to be trifled with in Mike. This is not somebody who you do this to. Tread lightly, Saul tread lightly and none of these, none of these half measures. Like if you're going to go, you gotta, you gotta win this guy's respect because, and I think that does happen in this episode, but man, this is not a guy you mess with.
0: Yeah. And I thought he had a good, <laughs> a good move in that. He was going to like, leave the car in the spot where nobody else could get through. Cause I feel like that horn honking was going to get to Mike eventually. Like,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. I mean, it wouldn't, I would certainly get to me and I, it's like, Louis C.K. has a pretty funny stand-up routine about renting a car and then just not taking it back to the rental car service and just calling them, be like, "Here's where I parked it. If you want your car back, you have to go get it. That's where it is." And it's like, "What are they going to do? Not go get it? So what's what's Mike going to do? Like he he's going to have to let the guy. He's going to have to let him in, or the, the car is going to be blocking everybody." So seemed like a good plan at the moment, but uh, it didn't really work out for old Jimmy McGill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just like one of these uh drive-through safaris. Uh his big mistake was getting out of the car. You know, stay in the yeah. car.
1: Yeah, unless like you're on Survivor Africa and somebody's just telling you, "Get out, get out, get out. Get hurry, out. hurry, hurry, out. hurry." Yeah, this is what you got to do.
0: Have a nice day. Yep, see you later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so you should not get out of the car Um. And so then uh, They get into a physical confrontation And Saul starts like Poking the chest of Mike Which then leads to Mike uh, Doing some like a uh, jujitsu And getting uh, Jimmy down on the ground
1: Yeah, a bigger mistake than getting out of the car Is poking the bear Yeah, don't do that No, no, that's uh, that's it's like playing around With Satan's bunghole, it's just not something you do Whoa Yeah, well, you know not just uh, shouldn't just do it the to anybody, really. There. No, no, that's very true. That's very true. That Unless they uh, ask you to. No, well, <laughs> and, and perhaps even if they do, maybe you need to you need to consider exactly what uh, what's yeah. in play there. Speaking but of yeah,
0: tread lightly. Yes.
1: Speaking of tread lightly and half measures, but no, Mike is not a guy to be trifled with. He looks old. He looks like a geezer. Saul's so making fun of him. I'm gonna gum you, or what are you gonna gum me? You're gonna throw a poop filled diaper at me? No, I'm gonna give you an arm bar and take you down. Like I, this is not. This is I'm this is not who I am. I'm not a guy who sits behind this uh, this this here. I'm, I'm a lot more than that. So Jimmy found that out pretty quickly. here.
0: Yeah. And then there's a turn in Mike's character then uh, right after that, because then the police want to send Jimmy to jail and uh, they want Mike to press charges. And ultimately, Mike decides not to press charges because he believes Jimmy's story about the family that kidnapped themselves.
1: Yeah, I like that, because I like that, uh, I like that I'm not sure if Mike believed Jimmy, if he believed in the inherent corruption of everyday people, if he, be- if he believed in cops not following through on the full story. I don't know what aspect of believing Jimmy was what really did it for Mike, but I like that it could have been any of those things. I think it's a really good character moment. I don't know. Uh, would you have believed Jimmy if you're, if you're in that position? I mean, it's kind of far-fetched.
0: It is far-fetched. I mean, what did you think of the fact that Mike, something almost exactly the same had happened to him, and that's how he knew to believe uh, what Jimmy was saying? Is that too much of a coincidence that something almost exactly like this happened to him?
1: No, I mean, I I like that what you got with that story is that Mike has a wealth of knowledge and experience. And that wealth of knowledge and experience, as we know, from ba- Breaking Bad influences the way he approaches things. It influences the decisions that he makes, how, how cautious he is, uh, the way that he approaches a door or to a person. Any of it, he he is like a very cautious because of his experiences, and he's always willing to believe kind of the most out there scenario could happen. So he, I, I really like that we're sensing that with him already. Is it a little bit convenient? Sure, but Mike's a guy who's been on the job for so long. Uh, and really has a a wealth of life experiences that it's believable that he would remember something that was very similar. And I really like the line in that moment when Mike says, nobody wants to leave home. Uh, Considering the fact that he was on the job in Philadelphia and considering what we know ultimately becomes of Jimmy McGill, aka Saul Goodman with the Cinnabon, I think that there's a lot of poignancy in that line. And I think there's a lot to the character of Mike that we know about, that nobody wants to leave home line. So I thought that was a really, really good line uh, to kind of walk out on.
0: And so where do you think we go with Mike now, now that there's the thawing between Jimmy and Mike after three episodes?
1: Well, we know what ultimately becomes, right? We know yep. that Mike Mike is working with, with Jimmy and Saul. Mike is kind of a, a good connection for Gus Spring as well, uh, and and that there's a relationship there. So... I don't know. We talked about this on previous podcasts. When we meet Mike in this series, is he corrupt and kind of living quietly in his day job here, or is he somebody that will become corrupted uh, and and descend into more kind of uh, chaos? And I'd like to believe that it, it's the latter. Uh, no, and, and
0: chaos is a ladder, Antonio.
1: Chaos is a, sometimes it is. Sometimes chaos is a ladder. Yeah, sometimes it could be. So. That's a very good point, and, uh, and so maybe it's not the latter. Maybe it is the latter. We don't know, but, uh, but I do want to see exactly how that plays out. Uh, my, my thinking is that uh, Jimmy's going to become progressively dirtier here, and he's just going to be lying down with a lot of people who are not his run-of-the-mill kind of, let's negotiate a better deal for you, public defender-type clients or contract work-type clients. But he's actually going to land some really big criminal-type clients. Uh, and he's gonna need somebody to help him out. And I think I, I like the idea that he's gonna turn to Mike for help. And maybe as kind of an advisor, um, this episode we we they talk about Consul Tom Hagen, Vito Corleone, that sort of thing. That's something Saul's referenced before. So maybe that's what Mike becomes. Like maybe that's maybe Saul turns to him for more help in the future. I, I'd like to see that.
0: I wanna talk about uh the uh first part of the episode, the cold open. And tr- get your take on uh, the scene between the young Jimmy McGill and his brother Chuck. And uh, what they were talking about there, because it's really um, kind of crazy in the episode where uh, thematically the episode starts with Jimmy being arrested. Uh, he also uh, gets arrested in the middle of the episode. And then there's a point where they're taking him away uh, after Mike is going to press charges on him in the end of the episode. So it's an episode where, uh, you know, three times we're seeing Jimmy in uh, police custody.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really sharp observation. And I like the idea that part of why, pardon me, part of why Jimmy might be so smooth is that he's been in these situations before. He's been in the Cook County Jail for what was it? Uh, what was that? A Chicago, a Chicago sunroof. Was that what it was?
0: Oh, is that like an Urban Dictionary term?
1: I Look, it's on Urban Dictionary. I looked it up. It was just from a couple days ago that it made it on Urban Dictionary. So I'm not 100 percent sure that they're talking about the same things yet. The But I will say that, that there was an allegation that Jimmy might have been a sex offender. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe what's on Urban Dictionary does fit with uh, with what. He was accused of, but we heard property damage, assault, and perhaps being a sex offender. So I don't know where this Maybe those uh, listeners that are in Chicago can tweet at us and let us know what a Chicago so No pictures, please.
0: Yeah. Um, the fact that somebody posted it recently on Urban Dictionary, do you think that is that one of the Better Call Saul
1: writers? It does make uh, it does make some it does make me wonder or somebody who had seen the episode in advance, perhaps uh, that there was some link to it. They may have fully invented a term that was never used before, uh, just to kind of be comical. On the other hand, this may be an existing kind of con scam. I mean, maybe it involves like peeing in a sunroof. Who knows? I don't know why that would be a Chicago. Chicago is known for wind. So I don't know exactly how wind could be involved there. Yeah.
0: And also he's a sex offender.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you in Kentucky uh, where I live, if you're caught urinating in public, they they can hit you with the sex offender charge. Oh man, yeah, it's pretty rough for those Bengals fans that walk across the. Uh, I'm not saying I know anyone like this, but uh, people who go to a Bengals game and have a few pops and then walk across the bridge back to Kentucky where they've parked and can't make it to a bathroom, so they get caught urinating in public. That's a uh, that's a pretty rough that's a pretty rough gig to to get set up with. So yeah, that can they can hit you with that for public urination. So. Yeah. Maybe that was what a Chicago sunroof is. That was the first thing I thought. Of. Watch out
0: for that yellow snow, especially if it's in Alex Trebek's mom's handwriting.
1: Yeah, you don't want that at all. Not at all, Trebek. Let it, but let it snow. I say, let it snow. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> it's a French. It's a French phrase. You might be familiar with it.
0: So, at what point do you think this flashback happens between Jimmy and Chuck?
1: So, if the show takes place in 2002, and and we're we're to assume that this, I know that this is this is prior to the show because Chuck had a Zach Morris cell phone. Did you see that?
0: Uh, I didn't notice the cell phone, but I did yeah. notice uh, <laughs> Jimmy's hair. Yeah,
1: yeah, right, right. So, I, I don't think this is after the events of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. I think this is clearly meant to be before. Both the way that the characters look, and there is a Zach Morris cell phone you see get thrown in. uh, and kind of the uh, the bin where the lawyers have to put their stuff when they're going to visit their clients in jail. So definitely supposed to take place before. As for how far before, I'd have to say maybe 10 years before. I think 10
0: years. I think that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, because we know after that, Jimmy goes to law school, kind of gets his act together. And I don't. what I can't figure out right now is how far after Jimmy's graduation from law school is Better Call Saul supposed to be taking place. It seems like kind of right after it, or maybe in a year or two after it, But uh, because it seems like his practice is just getting started. Uh, So if that's the case, then I don't know exactly what the arc is upward from here. But uh, we know he becomes a lawyer. So Chuck might have worked some kind of magic.
0: Yeah, it's going to get hard to figure out how old Jimmy is because you have Bob Odenkirk, who's older, who's playing younger. And then we're having time jumps around. So uh, it's going to be very tricky.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've we've jumped ahead of the events of the show now. Uh, we've jumped before the events of the show now. I, I'm really looking forward to the prequel to the prequel that is about Mike as a cop in Philadelphia. Wow. That
0: would yeah. be good. That'd be good. Yeah,
1: so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Alright, let's get into some of the questions uh, from you guys uh, that Scott St. Pierre has collected for us. And uh, let's take our first one. Hold on, let me just uh, bring them into the show and let's start off with Oh Johnny DeSolvera. Johnny wants to know, man, did I miss a whole lot with not watching Breaking Bad with all these jump cuts? Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think you did miss a lot, Johnny. And I know that you're going to catch up uh, this summer on Breaking Bad, you've said. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on. Although what happened in the beginning here with uh, Chuck and Jimmy was not related to Breaking Bad in the least. So as far as we can tell. So there's a lot of little hidden references and a lot of insider stuff. A lot of what happens, obviously, in this episode. With Mike and uh, with Mike and Saul. But yeah, I mean, catch up, Johnny. Come
0: on. Yeah, I don't think you missed anything that was super important. I mean, really, if you didn't watch Breaking Bad, I don't see any reason why you would not be able to be following Better Call Saul, you know, 100% at this point.
1: No, and I don't see I, I don't see any reason either. I, I think it may be a less rewarding experience for our, for a number of reasons. But I don't think that the show is inextricably linked to Breaking Bad, I will say that if you'd never watched it, then that first scene at Cinnabon probably doesn't make a ton of sense to you because he looks older. It's not clear, but then you probably wonder, like, "Wow, how did that guy get there?" Like, so maybe without knowing what happened in Breaking Bad, you have a lot to look forward to. So that actually works.
0: Yeah, and it's like, hey, big deal. He's a manager at Cinnabon. Hey, that's a, not a bad job.
1: Yeah, like because he wasn't doing that great as a lawyer from what we saw in that first episode. So hey, maybe that maybe that works out
0: yes yes all right uh here's a question from riot maker who says would it appear that mike may actually uh grow respect for saul what do you think antonio
1: yeah i uh, i think that uh jason Riotmaker on twitter i think that's a pretty good observation i i certainly like i said i think what i like most about this is i can't exactly tell why mike believed saul there was that story where something similar had happened so Mike maybe is inherently distrusting of people because of things he experienced as a cop. So I like that. But I also like that he might be actually respecting Saul for for seeing that he's actually trying to advocate for his client or seeing that he's actually willing to go up against the cops and tell the truth and put himself on the line there. I think I I like the idea that he might actually respect Jimmy McGill, the lawyer we know that becomes Saul, because respect for Jimmy McGill is uh, is in precious uh, little supply right now. And I think that uh, anybody respecting him, especially somebody of the caliber of what we know Mike to be, is something that will really help him become what we know Saul Goodman is.
0: You know, we didn't touch on the relationship between uh, Jimmy and uh, Kim too much uh, here tonight. Um, what do you make of I mean, do you feel like that we're getting more towards a uh, better call Saul Mance between these two?
1: <laughs> that uh, that would work out pretty well. I think that I, it certainly seems like the implication is that, that she has a uh, better called. She has called him in the past and that, that is something. And he has that done has dirty happened. talking. He has done dirty Where's talking PG
0: 13 talking on the phone.
1: Well, uh, Hey, we know he's a smooth silver tongue lawyer. So that, uh, that is something that he should probably do from time to time. If he wants to live a normal life and, uh, and good for him for doing it, because let's face it, the guy lives in the nail salon. Yeah. So, dirty talk maybe only the only way he can seal any deal at this point because he's not. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see him wooing too many ladies. Uh, although the offer of a uh, free pedicure and uh, the foot treatment is is not a bad one. That's not what I would necessarily turn down. Wow. Well, I'm just saying, feet are feet are uh, feet are very important. They're uh, they're the base for your walk. So I uh, I I'm, I gotta say that uh, that that's not that's not the worst in is what I'm saying. He could be working out of the back of like an oil change place. And I don't see too many people coming in for those perks. But man, that, that uh, working at a nice nail salon with the, the foot treatments, a spa. That's Cucumber water? Sure. Cucumber water for customers only. But uh, I guess if you're there for Jimmy, maybe you can get a little bit too. Who knows?
0: Okay. Uh, here's one from uh, Nick2S. You want to take this one?
1: Yeah, let me see if I can. Uh, maybe you can give me this one. All I right. can't pull it up.
0: All right. Uh, even knowing that they were the cops, did it make sense for how the cops tracked down Saul at the phone? Uh, we touched on this a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't, you would know better than me, Antonio.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Like I said, the only thing that didn't make a ton of sense on that uh, for Nick was that, uh, was that the timing, like it, it did seem that it happened relatively quickly, but on the other hand, I, I got the sense that, that Jimmy had been sitting there for a while. So they were probably looking at that particular you know number that that Jimmy had left and and found out where the location was, and that was that, so I think that that worked out pretty well uh, i can uh, I can say that the, i I bought that once I thought about the timing of it. I can take this next one Rob. We got another one here from Jordan Zielinski. and Jordan says, so the life of Jimmy McGill is from criminal to lawyer to criminal lawyer to Walt crony to wanted on the Run to cinnabon manager do okay. you think do you think gene? is the last form of jimmy uh gene is the cinnabon jimmy yes or are, are we gonna are we gonna i think jordan's question is are we gonna see more beyond gene the cinnabon manager
0: um no i don't think i'll take on another fake identity um let me ask you this antonio does better call saul end with saul dead
1: that is a, that's a very good question. I, I'm, it's a little too early for me to call that shot. But the, the shot I, well, I would like to call is, I don't think we've seen the last of, of Gene. I don't think we've seen the last of, of future Saul. And, and I think that that being said, it would be interesting if the show went with a full-on narrative storyline from that perspective. Uh, we talked about this in the first episode. Who could possibly be after him? Would it be the police? Would it be the cartels like the DEA? Who, who would it be? The who Kettleman. is he actually? Yeah. So the, the, it could be anybody. It could be the Kettleman. right. So I think that that story is an interesting one. And I, I don't think we've seen the last of Gene. But as for whether or not we're going to see Gene die, I can't really weigh in on that. I, I don't. I, what do you think? Are you thinking that that's something that's going to happen? Mm, I mean, what else are you going to do? It would be poetic. I mean, if we build a story here where he he becomes, you know, maybe he and Kim really hit it off, and that's kind of an unrequited thing, or we find out more about him. One of the interesting things about Saul and Breaking Bad is that we never really saw a ton of things from Saul's perspective. He was a minor character, so we didn't see Saul going home at night, meeting with whatever Saul's family there might have been. We we don't get the sense that any of that was in play. We never met Chuck, for example— but we never, we never, we don't really know what Saul left behind when he left town as quickly as he did. So maybe there's some story that's going to be left hanging that that we could bring back together, and it'll be a happier ending than the one from Breaking Bad. Uh, we'll see.
0: I would say maybe instead of Saul dying, I could see the show ending with Saul in jail. Like somebody finally has to, you know, pay for. All the stuff him and Walt did, and all the bad stuff that he's done all through the show. Maybe it ends with him going to jail. Seinfeld ending.
1: Well, and it's a nice touch, yeah, for not helping somebody uh, when a crime's being committed against them, and that's a nice touch considering what we've even just seen in this episode, where, as you pointed out, he's in run-ins with the police several times. He's actively been in jail in the past, uh, and he's been very close to it throughout this episode and also being threatened by drug kingpins and things like that. So uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be something where I could see that. I mean, I could see him ending up in jail. And the more we see him kind of in these situations, like we did in tonight's episode, the more poetic that will be.
0: Yes. And Bob Odenkirk was on the SNL 40th anniversary, and he asked a question to Jerry Seinfeld.
1: Yeah, so a perfect tie-in. Uh, that's, uh, that, that couldn't have been that couldn't have been a coincidence yes it has to be that they that they spilled the they that was a they you they spoiled it was a little easter egg and you caught it rob that they were going to get a seinfeld ending here uh and the judge's name is going to be vandalay and it's all going to be tied together
0: (laughs) um what did you think about uh when bob odenkirk described better call saul he's the star of the hit one episode of the show better call saul
1: (laughs) I I laughed. I mean, it's going to date that uh, 40th anniversary special even, and even now has, but I thought that was a funny line.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's do two more questions. Uh, This is from Nando who says, uh, how much of the Mike storyline do you think we end up seeing this season?
1: I I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I, the Mike storyline in terms of Mike's backstory or how Mike becomes connected with Saul. I think it's the latter. So I think that that's going to be a major a major story over the course of this season. I think that uh, I think that we're not going to see a, a, a too significant. I mean, we're going to get we're only getting ten episodes total. We've already put three to bed, so we've got seven more. Uh, they could jump some significant time at any point in any of those episodes. But I think the story of how Saul and Jimmy come together, or how Jimmy and Mike come together, is one that we're all going to want to see. So I think that's a multi-episode kind of thing. And I think that's a great story to tell in season one.
0: All right. One last question, Antonio. Yes, let's do it. Johnny book
1: bookends us bookends us. Like here's Johnny. That's perfect. Just like the episode.
0: All right. Uh, isn't there a monthly pass that Jimmy can buy to get out of the parking lot?
1: Yeah. Well, Jimmy doesn't have a ton of money. Like he's uh, the, 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 he's stealing cucumber water for crying out. It's like, this is not a guy Who's got a ton of disposable income? So uh, he did drop about nine dollars worth of quarters into that uh, payphone with his uh, swingers-esque calls to uh, to the voicemail of Nacho. But uh, but yeah, he, I don't think I don't think he's got enough money for all that. I love, by the way, that uh, that Johnny has bookended our, our questions here because I love the bookending of the here's Johnny in this episode. It's the first thing that Jimmy says when he comes into the Cook County Jail uh, and he sees Chuck. He says, "Here's Johnny," and it's yet another film reference from Jimmy. He referenced uh, either, either all that jazz or the mask, depending on what your, uh, what's your it show time is, is uh, you know, what you want to, what you want to take that from. He definitely referenced network uh, in the first episode here. He's referencing the shining when he opens that tent flap. I laughed so hard, Rob, when he opened that tent flap, even though it was a really stupid thing to do, it was hilarious. So I love the here's Johnny bookend. I love that Johnny's question book ended with the questions. I like that That all worked out.
0: Yeah. And this all worked out.
1: Yeah, it went really well. I I gotta say, I, I did have a question for you. I I wonder, did you feel like uh, did you feel like that decal thing was something that the police really should have picked up on, like with the camping thing, or did you think that that was actually a really good bit of work by Jimmy? And
0: I thought it was a good thing by Jimmy. I mean, for the police, uh, it just was insignificant because they didn't even think for a second that they didn't actually really get kidnapped so it wasn't uh like a clue for them because they just didn't even have their minds open to that possibility whereas saul was working from the assumption that they were hiding somewhere and then saw the tent and it was like oh okay they must be hiding in a tent let me go look in the in you know the desert um whereas the police were like no they're 100 percent kidnapped uh it doesn't matter what their bumper sticker is
1: yeah, and and I think that that uh, that helped that helped Jimmy and I I will say I think that that sort of complicated view, the way he looks at things a little bit differently, the way he's willing to see things from sort of an operator's eyes. I mean, from a slipping Jimmy mindset, from a if I were a criminal, how would I fake this or what would I do or where would I go mindset. I think that's one of the characteristics that makes Saul Goodman Saul Goodman. That's one of the things that makes him really really good at what he does later on down the line. And so I really like seeing that here. I really like seeing that he's he's willing to operate from the assumption that it's not just an open and shut like somebody kidnapped him kind of thing. That he's willing to say, okay, it could be a lot like more, he's more cynical than that. Like it could be a lot worse than that. Uh, and and here's what it is. And and I uh, I like that. I like that we're 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 kind of seeing these Saul Goodman characteristics in in Jimmy McGill. I think that that adds a ton of color that you don't get if you don't watch Breaking Bad because you don't know who. Saul Goodman is but once you know who he is I think that that we, we see those nascent characteristics in Jimmy I think that that means a lot to me as a viewer
0: all right Antonio you know what I mean a lot to the viewers if you give I, us a hashtag
1: if I give you if we, if we give him a hashtag what what uh I don't I we can't do Satan's bunghole even though that the, <laughs> even though even though the prosecutor said it tonight uh and, and Jimmy had to smell his, his BM in the bathroom I don't think we can go that route no, uh, do, do, we, do, we have, do we have some suggestions? Do we have anything? We can't do a sex robot voice.
0: Sex robot voice. Uh, sure, do that. Let's see where that, where that takes us. So, sex so, robot voice.
1: Yeah, so if you, if you listen here, just tweet at us with the hashtag sex robot voice and everyone that uh, is on your Twitter timeline will wonder exactly what you're up to. Yes. Uh, Antonio, fantastic job again tonight. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to you about anything, especially uh, criminal lawyers
0: yes and thank you for uh staying up late uh both to you antonio and scott and to uh everybody uh pretty again a very uh a healthy audience here for a late night uh in a.m on the east coast
1: yeah and uh, i really appreciate it thanks to everybody thanks to everybody who subscribed to our our podcast feed when you subscribe to the show only feed it definitely helps us move up those charts in itunes and uh it expands the conversation so we can get more questions and, and have more content for you guys. So we really appreciate it.
0: Yes. Also, uh, we've got the email address, better call Saul at postshowrecaps recaps.com. Uh, if you want to send us in, uh, more of a long form question, uh, about the show, if you're sort of thinking about it during the week and you have a question you want to ask us, uh, you can send us those as well and we'll look at them. And, uh, if, uh, if it's, if you're making sense, uh, we'll bring it on the show. I can't promise we're going to bring it on the show no matter what.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That that's uh that's your realm, Rob. I'd like to get a, a giant manifesto about Better Call Saul though. I would I would really like to get that one that doesn't make a ton of sense and might have been written in blood on a wall somewhere. I would love to get that. So, was that written you, by it, Drake? It, it may it may, very well could have been. Uh it very well Drake. could have been. Yeah. yeah well, you got to love the Drake. You got to love the Drake. <laughs> we uh, uh we had a very similar manifesto from Rob Kirk, one of uh one of our our our, our uh, supporters on Facebook who pointed out that Nacho might have been actually referenced in the actual series, Breaking Bad. When Jesse and Walt take uh, Saul out to the desert, he says, was it Ignacio that, that is putting you up to this. So maybe the, the the Nacho storyline with Saul is really going to go somewhere and make it all the way to Breaking Bad.
0: Okay. All right, Antonio. Great job. Subscribe to the Better Call Saul podcast feed, Postshowrecaps dot Recaps.com slash BCS iTunes. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Have a great week. We'll be back next Monday night, 1115 p.m. Eastern time. See you then. Take care, everybody. Bye.